Coming up on The Glue Guys today is part two of our two-part series looking at the best fit for a third star. Which possible third stars could the Nets trade for that fit the best within this current scheme? Today's episode of The Glue Guys is brought to you by Remarkably Remote, a new daily microcast from the experts at GoToMeeting, all about making work from home work for you. With indispensable intel on how to stay sane, motivated, and productive at home, we're here to help you in this brave new remote working world find us on smart speakers or subscribe on your favorite podcasting app you can also listen at gotomeeting.com slash tips that's gotomeeting.com slash tips Welcome back to the Glue Guys. This is Mike here. Say hello, hello. Brian. At BK Glue Guys on Twitter, netsdaily.com, The Athletic. To get 40% off an annual subscription, go to theathletic.com slash glue guys. Earlier this week, we dove into our best fits. When it comes to the question of which NBA players should join the Nets, which NBA stars should join the Nets. So we looked at trade targets. Both Brian and I laid out our best fit, ideal fit for that third star. Brian's being Ben Simmons, interestingly, and mine being Carl Anthony Towns. This episode, we will focus on the remaining of our list, which is our second choice, our third choice, and our wild card. You go with your number two. It's Bradley Beal. And I yeah, know that's my number two. I know that I've been well, I've been labeled now a a Bradley Beal hater of of a sort. And maybe I should like take that on the on the chin because I have um I sort of like brushed aside Bradley Beal. I, I thought of him as just an, a high volume scorer on a team that wasn't that filled with scoring talent. Um and you can see that like on his on his basketball reference, there's that that very predictable um, you know decline in efficiency as his productivity as his volume scoring goes up all those stats go up um and so like but he's at that sort of point now where if you're scoring he's got 30 points per game on respectable averages you're at a point there where it's just it's too much to ignore it's too much output for respectable numbers to the point where if you put him around legitimate talent and he's only 26 years old he's the same age as spencer dinwiddie basically put him around some real deal talent I feel like he would fit very neatly into a uh, like a, a a microwave offensive player. Now the thing is, is a microwave like an elite microwave offensive player exactly what you need right now? I don't know, but if he can be like a an elite three point shooter, that definitely helps with like you know going all in on space and pace and so on and so forth. And he is not, uh, as far as I can tell, he is. I mean, he's very good at like. P- dribble drive penetration in the way that like you know a lot of our our uh a lot of the management currently is sort of like seeking for so it seems like the guy that makes the most just general sense it's right there in the elite group and not so elite though that it can't be gotten now again maybe you know we have a better insight about this than i do mike because you're familiar with the inner workings of the wizard franchise you're part of their (laughs) illuminati to a certain i'm embedded yeah Yeah. uh and i i get the sense that bradley beal quite likes being a 
a big fish in a small pond. There's a certain level of... I think that's right, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and not that DC is a small pond. I mean, the, the whiz... Maybe. It's a small swamp. <laughs> it's yeah. a small swamp, that's right. Um, uh, but yeah, so I think that like he made... There's not a whole lot of incentive for the whiz to want to be trafficking in, in Bradley Beal trade packages. Um, so yeah. There's some of that stuff to work through, but we have the same guy. So I'm sure you have your own thoughts about it, Mike. And I'll kick it to you. Mike Smells, take it from here. <laughs> um, my Yeah. So I, I'll start kind of like with the concerns with Bradley Beal, which is more of just like contractual stuff. It's okay. So he has two years left on his deal, but then he has a player option for a third year, which he's going to decline. When I say two years left, I mean, not counting this season. I'm already, this season's done with terms of contractually. So he has two more years left on his deal, which is fine. That's plenty of time. But then a player option, which will decline because then he'll have 10 years worth of service. And then you get this mega, you have the possibility to get the biggest contract of all time. If you were an all NBA player at one point and you have 10 years worth of service, you get like $50 million a year, which is crazy. But like it is a consideration for the Nets. And where we talked about my problem with the Carlton Towns deal, which is like ideally for Towns, you're going to have to wait a year. The Wizards are probably going to wait to at least see what John Wall and Bradley Beal look like together next season before they do anything. Because the Wizards are already going to have another high first-round pick, whoever that's going to be. Again, bad draft, but whoever that's going to be. They had this really weird season where offensively they were so dynamic. Defensively, they were like one of the worst teams in the NBA. But you're going to want to see John Wall Bradley Beal together again. I think Bradley Beal himself wants to see him play with jo- himself play with John Wall again. What, like, now, can, they, you, can you go in on that? Like, so they've already played with each other a fair bit. Like what, what left is there to see? I mean, that's sort of my, well, yeah. Bradley Beal has gotten better and John Wall had gotten worse. Part of that was due to injury. So like, I yeah. think the hope is <laughs> you the, might not want to see that together is my thing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. The hope is that if John Wall rises back up to the level that he almost was, not that he was before, he was looking really crappy and he got a big contract and he did whatever he gets to 90% of John wall. Plus he, you have Bradley Beal, who's risen to a whole new level, potential all NBA player. Just being those two guards in the East makes you for sure a playoff team. And if you hit on another draft pick, I think they have other good parts. Like there's enough there with the wizards positively that like it leads to the deal, not happening this off season. And again, the Nets seem to want to make it happen this offseason because they don't have that much more time to wait. They really like, you know, this every, all these things move so fast. And like, I don't think the Nets can just go into the season with Dinwiddie Levert again and then constantly be dangling them out there as trade assets. You're going to have a situation with what happened LeBron's first year with the Lakers, which is like all the guys around LeBron are trade assets. And then the team explodes because in a bad way because of that. But yeah. I'm yeah. trying to think of like a situation in which a second fiddle had like grown past the like a guy basically first fiddle. yeah the first fiddle like in the same kind of way and like that that was like all parties were like oh this is good this is it's nice that like yeah, I'm I'm point. outpacing you in my career and you're on the way down and I'm on the way up um and we play like yeah. pretty similar positions well there okay so we can go back to the Bulls obviously this is like way not comparable but when Jordan retired and then. Pippen <laughs> ascended to first fiddle yeah. and Pippen was seemingly very excited to be first fiddle. And then that didn't really work out the level that they wanted to. And then Jordan came back and it was like, oh, okay, we're back to where we need to be. I'm sure Pippen behind the scenes is like, 
not happy Jordan came back. I'm sure there was some element of that. It was like he was excited to have his own team. <laughs> I don't my my memory of Scotty Pippen's acceptance of first fiddledom uh, is is rusty. I'll grant Pippen you that. wanted to be a fiddle. He wanted to be <laughs> you, the I, in in the the Chicago Symphony Orchestra that was the Bulls. <laughs> he wanted to be first fiddle, but yeah. yet and and uh, Michael Jordan sojuring is that the word uh, in baseball? Yeah, yeah, that word. Yeah. Anyways, uh, I I think you're right though. Yeah, I. So, okay, yeah, I think you are 100% right when it comes to, like, we both know that John Wall and Bradley Beal aren't certainly going to, like, shake up the NBA. But Bradley Beal is a a fairly loyal guy. He could have pushed out of being in Washington a long time ago. He could have pushed out of being in Washington this past offseason and didn't. He got the contract that he had wanted, but he even he structured in a way to give him some wiggle room but also to provide some commitment to the to the Wizards. So just knowing kind of how Bradley Beal has acted in the past, I don't think he's going to push for a trade. And from the Wizards' perspective, they could have traded Bradley Beal in the past and haven't because the owner loves Bradley Beal. And if you know, and from people around the Wizards organization, they love Bradley Beal. Like yeah. he's like this it's a love saint yeah. level figure. He is thought of as being like a tremendous teammate, a really good leader. Obviously, the team's not that good, so like you can't fully give him the championship belt of leaderdom. But he's a high class individual, and that's another reason why you'd want him in Brooklyn. Because if we're going to be honest, Kyrie and KD grumpy, grumpy personalities. Mm. Also, another reason why I may be a little bit worried about Carl Anthony Towns a little bit being on this team. So Bradley Beal has always been, you know, kind of a good soldier in a way you know like uh he's the kid who sits in front of the class and at the front of the class gives his teacher a little apple not quite a teacher's pet but he's there giving a teacher an apple Mm. did you ever give a teacher an apple brian uh no no no, i would never do anything like that That absolutely (laughs) do i want to publicly humiliate myself forever no i wouldn't (laughs) wouldn't want to do that um but so i think that would be another plus in the bradley bill and we talk about basketball i mean like He's been a secondary ball handler next to John Wall. He's been a guy who off the, like off a pass can hit a shot, which is a unique skill. And then he's also been a guy who then can take control of the ball and create his own shot. And he can be a guy who hits the last shot of the game for you. He can be sort of what Ray Allen was for the Boston Celtics when it was Pierce Garnett and Ray Allen. Like he can he can do th- multiple things for you. Yes, he's been bad defensively recently, but I I always I never blame really good players on bad teams for being bad defensively. It's not fun to play defense. Like <laughs> so like I don't I don't feel I like I don't hate Devin Booker cuz he's horrible on defense. I don't hate Bradley Beal cuz he's bad on defense. Pick up bad, bad habits. On defense. Pick up bad habits though, Mike. What about that argument? Sure. The bad, sure. The bad uh, habits argument. But when you're on a good team, I think it raises the level and when you're yeah. competing for a championship. So we all right. love Bradley Beal. What does it take to get Bradley Beal? Are you? Yeah, that's the other thing. Like, without there being zero, so there's a whole lot of leverage that the Wizards have with Bradley Beal being very happy there, everyone loving him. Uh, he's there's not any threat that he'll get disgruntled and, and jump ship. So, like, that's that's a tough spot to be. You really got to butter their bread, you know, Mike. Um, and it might be that you have to give up everything, the same amount of things that you just argued for. For Carl Anthony Towns, that's maybe what you have to give up for Bradley Beal. Like, I think I think you have to give him the whole kit and caboodle at that point because, like, 
you know, you're everything else outside of if, if it's not at the very least both Spencer and Karis, you're getting it's a pretty significant like downgrade for for the Wizards. No disrespect to Spencer and Karis, but at this point in Bradley Beal's trajectory, like that's you're just like really taking a step back. Um, so yeah. Yeah, and I think the other thing about it too, like like te- like all these guys, other NBA teams are going to want like the Boston Celtics. If Bradley Beal became available, would go hard after Bradley Beal. Miami Heat. I don't know really what else they have to offer, but if if Bradley Beal is available, they would go hard for Bradley Beal. Like every team in the NBA, because of how Bradley Beal plays basketball, which is he can be a ball handler or he can be a a, a guy accepting the pass off of any sort of offensive system in the role and he can hit down open shots. He can do anything you want, right? So he fits on any team in the NBA. He can play the two next to anyone, any point guard, any ball dominant point guard. He's right there with you. So he fits on every team, meaning every team is going to want him. So while I, I think towns is more valuable than Beal, though I, it could debatable about who's actually a better player at this point. I think Beal will also cost a lot of money, or not a lot of money, a lot of assets because of how many other teams want to get involved with him. Yep. Um, number three, Brian, for you. Oh, what? Oh, for me. Um, for me. So this is this is my version of the Carl Anthony Towns one for you, which is you're pu- pushing right up against the ceiling of realistic opportunity here. And for me, this is James Harden. Um, Whoa! I know, I know, I know. Brian. It's crazy. Hear me out, but there's. Uh, this is something that you've talked about on the show before, so I'm just echoing a lot of like your sentiments, but the Daryl Morey Houston Rockets experience might be headed towards a, uh, incomplete mission. I'm imagining a rocket like exploding in space, but I don't want to, you know, whatever. I don't want to do that, but I think that there is the potential that if, if, I mean, unfortunately we're not going to get to see them implode in the playoffs and have this be a very, uh, prescient take. Um, but had that happened, I think that there is a, a, a moment here where Daryl Morey, they take a long look at him and his, his tenure. Uh, the D'Antoni thing is obviously seemingly on his way out. Did not, they did not extend, um, so on and so forth. So, uh, James Harden, 30 years old at the beginning of a four year contract here, um, getting paid $40 million a year in the not too distant future, whole lot of money. Um, you know, what does it take to get an MVP player at the absolute peak of their prime? And even in a world in which D'Antoni and Maury are jettisoned, you know, does that mean that James Harden is necessarily on the trade block or is he himself disgruntled by that effect? I don't know. Uh, there's a lot of moving parts there and it sort of, you know, requires a whole lot of insider knowledge into Harden's relationship with those guys, which I don't pretend to have. Um, that being said, you know, those players, the Spencer didn't Spencer didn't has had some good games against Houston. Um, I like that. <laughs> they, that matters. By they the way. were, it does. they were slightly horny for Jared Allen at the trade deadline. Um, there's a lot of players that have like peaked interests of this is again, though, this is unfortunate that it was like sort of obviously Daryl Morey's interest who in this theoretical falling out is, is out of the picture. So that adds some, um, that's murkiness to the situation. But I just think that it's like it's it's right up there against possibility. And James Harden, I think, obviously is like not a, a really a spectacular fit next to Kevin Kevin Durant. There's a, there's some history there, and you know Kyrie Irving to a lesser extent. Um, so like basketball geometry wise, I mean, obviously it makes you the most like stacked stacked team. But then the, you get into the almost like dangerously stacked territory, which is you know then we're 
there's that part of it, which I don't know that we've seen the dangerously stacked territory in a long. It's not since the 2004 Lakers have we seen dangerously stacked territory tip over into like d- dysfunction um, in in that way. Uh, I'm trying to think who was the most dangerously stacked team that kind of imploded outside of the Lakers that year. Um, the, you mean like the Nash, Dwight Howard, Kobe Lakers? Um, yeah, when they added, uh, yes. Well, no, not those Lakers. I'm actually talking about the Carl Malone, Gary Payton Lakers. Those. Oh, yeah, <laughs> the dangerously stacked Lakers. Well, and, and then, I, then I'm thinking of the Nash, Dwight Howard, Kobe Lakers, right, Pau right. Gasol. Yeah, they've done it the a couple times. Still. Yeah, yeah. Um, the Nets when they got Garnett. Yeah. Pierce. By the way, congrats to Kevin Garnett, Brooklyn Nets. Big uh, shout going out to the Hall of Fame. Big shout out. Um. Big. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so anyways, but like the, the actual yes. basketball geometry of it is crazy, right? Because every one of those guys requires so much of the ball. I mean, there's nothing complimentary about really any of what they do. You're all kind of taking turns being the best players in basketball, which is super a fun problem to have, but definitely not the most like, you know, neatly put together, stitched in kind of team that you want to have. I think what's interesting, and there's so many, we, so much we can unpack about Harden, the Harden deal, but I just, for basketball geometry wise, like... Harden was a six man in the Thunder and he gets traded to the Rockets and becomes the most unique single scorer in the NBA of his generation. Right. And I just I know that like this current version of Harden, it would seem crazy to put him next to Kyrie and and next to Kevin Durant. But like he did still have an MVP MVP level season. When he was next to James, uh, Chris Paul, I think, did, did he win his first MVP with Chris? I forget what it was, but he, I mean, he played extremely well next to Chris Paul. He's playing extremely well next to Russell Westbrook. And I just think like Harden probably has some adaptability to him that people don't give him credit for. I mean, his entire game has been based on evolution. He's continually evolved what he's done to get to the point that he's in. So like, I imagine when he gets to Brooklyn, he there there would be a version of James Harden that we haven't seen before, which is like secondary ball handler dude, or maybe it's actually Kyrie who gets moved off the ball a little bit. I mean that's combustible, but it's also like James Harden is probably so greatly respected that it would work out. I agree with so again we we kind of touched this is crazy, right? Like it would be crazy if James Harden got traded, but again we've seen crazy shit happen hmm. in the NBA consistently over the past eight years or so nobody, the NBA nobody can tell, as, no, as soon as Paul George got got traded for all those picks all of the like thoughts about like anything's untouchable so on and so forth I think that goes out the window okay Mike well and like the Kawhi saga of the fact that he seemingly was the perfect spur forces his way out of the Spurs they flip him to Toronto he wins one season in Toronto and then he decides to go to the Clippers after winning a championship with another team it's like we can no longer just accept things as standards and James Harden being a rocket has become a standard, but it shouldn't be. That team is combustible as you laid out that Dan Tony could will likely not be the coach next year. It seems Tillman Fertitta, the owner is has come in and brought a lot of different vibe energy than that was there before. And if I'm Daryl Morey, We've always keep hearing about this like tremendous money ball figure that Maury is. And he's survived at this franchise for a very long time. And I think it was Ryan Russillo on one of the Simmons pods was basically saying that Maury made the trade for Russell Westbrook because Harden wanted it. So it would yes, it would be weird if now then Harden wants to leave Houston. But 
from the sense I'm getting, my armchair psychologist is that James Harden is like on his last legs in Houston for his own self, that he is himself is like, I've tried everything that I can do. I've gone up against the Warriors continuing the playoffs. We continue to lose. We before didn't have, we had a bunch of good players around me. Didn't work. We get Chris Paul. Chris Paul comes in, doesn't work. We get Russell Westbrook. Now this season's on hold. Who knows what's going to happen? But it, it could, Harden could be himself thinking, I'm sure him and KD are somewhat close still. They Their divorce wasn't, you know, a decision between themselves. Not, KD would have wanted James Harden. Amicable. Amicable. Um, it would make sense to me for Harden to want to get out there. So now if Harden is out there in the ether, it, to be had in the NBA, if that situation happens, like if I'm Milwaukee, I throw every single thing I have to get James Harden, hoping that if I have Harden and Giannis together, you know, like you, you try to do everything you can to like form a, a super team with Giannis to get that superstar out there and available. But it, it's a crazy possibility. It's as crazy as a possibility as Greg Popovich being coach. I think Greg Popovich being coach of the Nets is more likely than James Harden being a net. But I just, it has to be considered, Brian. It has to be something that would be out there. And if you could get James Harden, right? Like you, that would be something you consider. I'm, I, and I know people are like, this is stupid. Why even have the conversation? I'm just saying <laughs> you got to look at the, Forget the those ingredients people. that are going into the gumbo. Yeah. And that gumbo in Houston is spicy. It is a spicy gumbo. That's true. You know, what's funny. I was the idiom that we invoked earlier, which is, you know, if the, if the season ended today, for for now and forevermore, that that idiom has to be taken like with a whole different kind of set of seriousness. You know? Yeah, we That's shouldn't like, we shouldn't ever like yeah. he's the MVP of the season. I'd say it was like yeah. eh, season maybe up to that. <laughs> yeah. uh, Harden was my wild card, by the way. Oh, he good. was my wild card. Um, I'll hit my number three, and then we'll hit your wild card um, briefly. Briefly, yeah. So I, I I cheated. I have two guys at number three. Oh. Um, one is very likely, one's very unlikely. So really, you probably should just my very unlikely one. We could just disregard it. It's Devin Booker. But I'll just say this simply. He has four more seasons left on his contract. Phoenix is a bad situation. It continues to be a bad situation. And Devin Booker, really, I think his destiny is to be like the third best player on a really good team. Maybe the second best player on a team if like the superstar is, you know, top five player in the NBA. Devin Booker would slot in nicely on any team. He's sort of like Bradley Beal in that way. He can handle the ball. He can shoot extremely high at an extremely high level. He can be a more dynamic clay offensively, but way less defensively so there's like a pretty big gap between him and clay i think overall but devin booker would be great my my guy who is three on my list who may be obtainable is drew holiday he's buzzed about in the nba as like every contender wants drew holiday he himself is kind of the perfect two guard in the sense that again he can handle the ball really well he can shoot really well he's known for his defense he's known for the like his tremendously fantastic mesh personality he's a good leader on the team um he would fit beautifully in brooklyn he has one year left on his contract after this season and then a player option um he would be very expensive to get but he is of all the guys i named carnathy towns bradley beal james harden he's the most attainable you could see very easily the pelicans being like okay we had our one year zion was injured for most of the year it didn't really work out. Brandon Ingram, we're about to pay him a lot of money because Brandon Ingram's a restricted free agent. We're going to do, this is the time to trade Drew Holiday and get Dinwiddie, Karis Levert, and 
whatever else. I don't know what the trade package would be. It'd probably be just like the three players, though. Jared Allen, Spencer Dinwiddie, Carol Silvert, and then maybe this first round pick. That seems kind of rich, actually. But Drew Holiday, to me, is like pretty peak in terms of what you would want to have as a third star. Mm. <clears throat> yeah, and but you're also getting into almost non-star territory. That's like you're that's borderline complimentary, you know. Borderline compliment. I, yeah. I think I think around the NBA though, Drew Holiday is viewed sure. rather highly. Yeah, yeah. Agreed. And, and and as a third guy in your team, he makes sense. He isn't a star. You're right. He's not a star, but he's like the he's the best peak complimentary piece you could get. And I I think because of that I I would put him in the star tier. Fair enough. My wild card is Probably less good than Carl Anthony Towns and will cost you basically the same amount, which is your boy, Nicole Jokic. Um, it's a weird <laughs> one. He's, I haven't heard that one before. He, is, he had a weird year. He signed a big, fat contract. Got a little fat himself, Mike, uh, as we know. Came in um, slumping heavily. Uh, sort of turned it around by midseason, but um, it was one of those things where you he did the thing that you're not supposed to do, which is sign a huge contract, show up out of shape, and be loafing around and not being super serious about uh, improving year by year, which he had not been on pace to do this year. Um, now those are red flags, and for that reason, you know you 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 want to acknowledge red flags. Don't let them. They're flags, though. They're not just like. You know, it's not an emergency. It's not an alarm. They're just flags. They're just warnings. Um, <laughs> but but he, uh, he himself, I think, was an interesting – I would argue maybe, like, at his, at his best, a more interesting sort of complementary potential fit. He is a very system-y big man. Um, our team is not at all built towards like, – or is not trending towards being a system-y team anymore now that we have these uh, individual talents – so bringing in a third star who uh, like really is excited about a hockey assist uh, is is an, <laughs> is an interesting kind of fit. Uh, so like for those reasons, I think that that's like interesting basketball wise. Like I said, it's as unrealistic as Carl Anthony Towns and probably like a vastly inferior player. Um, so unrealistic, and you know the Nuggets are obviously not ready to give up on him. Um, based on the massive contract he just got and the small little evidence that he's going to be fine and get back into shape and be Gucci, good to go, putting up fat nummies. Although I got to say, I do think that there, that is a big piece of data. Like you don't want to see a guy at 24, take a big step back in their career at that, at that very pivotal timing of just got the contract. Um, yeah. Yeah. And, and like, so like, like Jokic, again, we'll couch it. As you said, it's like, it's unlikely that that would happen, right? There's been no buzzes or rumors or whatever about that. And Denver, it to me, is more of the team along the line of desperation than anything else. Like, we don't know if if there were playoffs and let's say they were a second round knockout, they would probably be a team that's like one of the teams that are going after Beal right. or Towns. Yeah, they're more buyers than sellers at that point. Right. But let's live. Let's think about it for a second. And I do love the thought of Jokic's unique set of skills being placed alongside Kyrie and KD. Cause like, again, the thing about having Kyrie is that the ball is mostly going to be in his hands. And if it isn't, it's going to be in KD's. And then if you have a center like Jokic, who is, who should be running a team himself, which is what he does in Denver. But Jokic to me has exhibited such a level of basketball intelligence that it seems like he could be, he could be anything in any off. He could be a guy who like scores eight points a game and have like 15 assists, like just like over like each, 
like not every game, but like randomly be popping up for these big assist totals. Like I, he, he plays it in such a way that like he may rather not be the guy who has the ball in his hands all the time and just be the hockey assist dude and quickly getting the ball out to people and being the sort of the connecting points between the start of the offense and the end of the offense. And that'd be it. And he could be like, Pal Gasol is a better scorer purely than Jokic, but obviously Jokic has way more. I think of it's the, the Marc Gasol comp. He's like the more quirky Marc Gasol, or like more like focused on the ancillary parts of the offense than Marc Gasol, which who's already like a you know was right. trending towards being a fourteen point scorer for you know early in his career. And and then like we would look back if let's say Jokic was on the Nets and his basketball reference page would look so strange because. It would go from being the star of one of the top teams in the West to being the third star on the East, on an Eastern Conference team in Brooklyn. And he would go from like, he's probably scoring like 20 points a game this year. Yeah. He would go down to like 10 points a game. Yeah, it would be a massive hit. But he would be doing, he'd be doing the classic things that people talk about when they talk about Al Horford, what he does for a team. He would be doing all of those things, but like times three. And it, defensively, sure, he wouldn't be Al Horford, but offensively, again, it would be like there would just be this extra layer of magic on top yeah. that would be so spicy and delicious. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, for me, it's one of the funnest like sort of things to kind of imagine because it is a weird one and it could also go terribly, terribly awry. But the thing is, with the pairing of Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, like anything could go terribly. It's more hard. I think it's more <laughs> difficult to, to find something that works than to see something that's combustible, you know? Um, so again, let's, let's recap. So I had number one, Carl Anthony Towns, number two, Bradley Beal, number three, Devin Booker and Drew Holiday, but I'll just put in Drew Holiday to be a realist. And number four is my wild card, which is not really four, but just the wild card was James Harden. What was your list? I did Simmons, Beal, Harden, Jokic, um, for my, for my four. Um, this is so fun, Mike, we're going to do three more of these in different, with different premises. Is that the, the, the deal? Yeah, and those may all be two parters too. Because once you get going in this conversation, I know, you it's can a, go. This is deep. This is good stuff. This reminds me of when we had lots of basketball to watch. That's what it reminds me of. And that was, those are better times. And one thing, if you're listening to this, this would be episode two of the two parter. I would like people to begin going to netspot at gmail.com, start sending in your trade packages, start sending in your trade questions. Because we're going to begin collecting a lot of these because we're within this greater grand scheme of the Nets third star series that we're doing, which this will be a series that will be remembered for everyone's life. Uh, we would love to include the glue guys fan base into this discussion and really dive in and all try to brain trust this thing into finding the answer. And the thing that will happen is we will not mention one player and it will become the guy the Nets trade for. Yeah. And we just won't see it's coming. And it's going to be great. Um, Mike. Would it be uh, would it be beneficial if people went to iTunes, reviewed us, gave us five stars, and a, and a nice thing to say? And would that be helpful for us? It would personally mean a lot. It would for mean me. a lot. I read them every night before I go to bed. Only the positive ones. I have a filter on my iTunes ratings that I only get five stars, and so I've been reading them every night before bed. It's just like a personal meditation that I do. Um, um, also, there's. Oh, sorry. What did you have something else? Oh, just, uh, no, no. <laughs> I was going to save you from going further down that rabbit hole. Um, <clears throat> there's also at BK Glue Guys on Twitter, and if you wanted to go to the Athletic, you should totally subscribe and use what what, what do they use at checkout? Theglueguys.com. <laughs> <laughs> the slash glue guys forty percent off four zero. I mean that's insane. 
just dive in. It's like, it's awesome and it's great. It's actually, you know, it also, it's beneficial to us because I thought it could be like, wow, look at these guys. They're kicking butt getting subscriptions. We should make them founders of the company. And that may happen. Cool. Um, hey, Mikey, th- uh, thank you so much for. No. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Um, and we'll see you. Uh, I'll see you like probably in a couple of days. Yeah. Yeah.